1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Joining us right now is our good friend Todd Nettleton. He's the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. He's also the Chief of Media Relations and Message Integration for Voice of the Martyrs. And he's the author, of course, of When Faith is Forbidden, 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. It's always good to have you with us on Mornings with Tom and Tobby. Hey, Todd. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, we're glad to have you for our first segment here in 2024. A lot of people don't realize the level of persecution happening in the country of Nigeria. Tell us what happened over Christmas. Well, we saw attacks on mostly Christian villages in Nigeria over the Christmas holidays, and in fact, specifically targeting Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And the latest figures I have seen, 140 people killed Uh, more than 300 injured. These were attackers riding into the village, uh, burning down homes, attacking people with machetes. Um, So just a really violent attack on multiple villages too. So it's, you know, sometimes we try to point to this and say, well, you know, there's, there's tribal animosity there. Oh, it's, you know, it's the, the grazers versus the farmers because it's all over land. No, these were multiple villages, multiple Christian villages being attacked uh, homes being burned, people being attacked with machetes. There are still people missing. You know, when you flee your house and you flee into the bush uh, to get away from the attackers, uh, there it's not like somebody is calling you and saying, hey, are, are you still okay? What's going on? Some people are still missing. And so it could be that the death toll will actually still go up higher uh, than it is right now. And the thing to me that that was really striking about this is you talk about 140 people being killed, many with machetes, and it didn't even make kind of the news here. It was like, well, part of that's it's Christmas, but part of that is I think many editors today are like, yeah, there was violence in Nigeria. There's always violence in Nigeria. It, it's not even newsworthy anymore when our brothers and sisters are attacked. Okay, because that's exactly where I wanted to go. As you were talking about this, uh, Todd, you know, on the news, I didn't hear anything about this. I didn't know what was happening in Nigeria. And and it, it's atrocious, really, when you think about it. But you can almost see that arc of the media saying, well, you know, it, it, it happens in Nigeria all the time. It, it's, it's kind of violent there. And, well, it's just 140 and they're Christian. Eh. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm thinking as followers of Christ, we need to know this so that we can support our brothers and sisters. Is there any recourse we have so that people actually hear and understand and can share the news? 
you know, I would certainly encourage people to follow the Voice of the Martyrs. Follow our social media channels. Um, we actually had a prayer request up about this within just a couple of days after the attacks. Uh, we actually sent out an email right after the week after Christmas saying, hey, we want you to know about this. We want you to be able to pray for brothers and sisters in Nigeria. We also have staff on the ground that are going to these places and saying, okay, who's who needs help? Who needs the most help the quickest? Um, and so, you know, like I say, follow us on social media. Make sure you're on our email list. Uh, but then also know that that there are hands and feet on the ground that are going to minister to these hurting people as well. Okay. Um, thank you so much for that. Uh, Todd Nettleton with the host, host, of course, of Voice of the Martyrs Radio and a good friend of the program here, just kind of sharing what's happening in Nigeria. But mm -hmm. let's bring it back to home, uh, Todd. Tell us about the State Department and their designations of countries of particular concern. It seems like there are some that are left off the list. <laughs> well, it's interesting. We, we just talked about Nigeria. Uh, the State Department last week issued their new list of countries of particular concern when it comes to religious freedom, uh, and Nigeria is not on the list. Oh, my uh, it, it didn't make it. Now, they do say Boko Haram is an entity of particular concern, which is another classification, uh, but Nigeria didn't make it. India didn't make it, which also is a surprise. In fact, uh, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, which is a bipartisan group that makes recommendations to the State Department about this, uh, they've actually called for congressional hearings to say, hey, what? How can you say India is not a country of particular concern? How can you say Nigeria is not a country of particular concern? Honestly, the one that surprised me was Afghanistan. Uh, they identify the Taliban as an entity of particular concern, but they don't have Afghanistan listed on the countries of particular. Well, the Taliban is the government of Afghanistan. They're in charge of the country. If you know that they are persecutors, then how can you not list the country of Afghanistan where they are the government? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things behind the scenes. And obviously, I, I think the State Department, when they talk about India, they say, hey, you know, religious freedom is one thing that we want to talk to them about, but we also, we need their help on trade. We need their help on, you know, countering what China is doing in the world. So we didn't, we didn't want to make them mad by saying, Hey, India persecutes. Um, but you know, it is, if you have a listing and you don't list India, what you're kind of saying is they don't belong on the list, but the reality is they do, they are a country of particular concern. So, uh, Todd, when when they don't designate certain countries as particular of uh, particular concern, and yet those countries are persecuting people, killing people to the level that they are, what message does that send? Is this political, and how how do people stay safe? You know, I I think what the State Department is saying is we have bigger fish to fry than religious freedom. Mm. Um, you know, like I say, especially as it relates to India, we we need India on this and this and this, so we don't want to hack them off on on that. Um, and I, I I'm not a worker at the State Department. You know, praise the Lord, He didn't call me to that kind of work. And I knew they there are other things. They, they have a lot of different things that they need to get done, different issues that need to be, uh, you know, they need to work together on. India in particular is very offended when you say they are persecuting. Um, you know, it's interesting when the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom issued the recommendation for India to be on the list, there were multiple news stories in India about, hey, the U.S. government is saying we persecute. That's not true. We don't do that here. And so, they in particular don't want to be on the list and would be very upset. So the the key thing is 
what happens after you're listed as a CPC. The administration has a kind of a toolbox of things they can do to nudge you in the direction of more religious freedom. Uh, but it's up to each administration on how they're going to enforce that, which of those tools they're going to use. And frankly, most administrations, one of the things they can do is actually sanction the country. Most administrations from either party have been very hesitant to do that. They've kind of kept that in, in their back pocket as a last resort, but it hasn't been very often we've seen them actually sanction a country for religious freedom violations. Okay, uh, you're hearing the voice of Todd Nettleton, and Todd, I'm not a politician either, and I'm just thinking this is pretty simple. If you don't want to be on the list, stop persecuting Christians and create some <laughs> religious freedom instead of being upset at the fact that you're on the list, and we're not wanting to tick you off because we know that you're doing this, but we're not going to put you on the list because we need trade negotiations. I think uh, it's as simple as, as as we do need a line, right? Mm -hmm. And then if, if you don't want to be on the list, then don't be on the list by the way you govern. I couldn't agree more. It's like, um, and, you know, again, back to India, it's interesting because Prime Minister Modi last year was here in the United States. They had a state dinner at the White House. They had a lot of different things happen. And, and what we were told by officials in the government is we did talk about religious freedom. We just did it behind closed doors. We, we didn't make a public showing of it, but, but yes, we did bring it up. And you know, I think that's my hope and for our government officials, as you're sitting down at the table with Xi Jinping from China, with Prime Minister Modi from India, with leaders of Nigeria or other countries, that it will be one of the topics on the agenda. Hey, how are you doing on religious freedom? How are you doing on protecting minorities, people who don't follow the, the religion of your nation, the the majority religion of the country? How do you protect those people? How do you uh, provide them with opportunities? I hope that is a topic of discussion when those uh, conversations happen. And certainly we want to pray for Christian brothers and sisters who work in the government, who work in the State Department, um, because they need wisdom and discernment to know how to effectively say, and, and I'm like you, I say, hey, well, if you don't want to be on the list, stop, stop what you're doing. You are hearing uh, us as we talk with Todd Nettleton of Voice of the Martyrs. We're finding out what's happening with the persecuted church around the world. And we've been talking about Nigeria this morning and also the State Department and their countries of particular concern. But now, Todd, I would love to ask you about Jeff and Els Woodkey. I got to spend some time with Jeff and Els this week. We will have, this will be probably a month down the line. It will be an episode or multiple episodes of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. For those who don't know, Jeffrey Woodkey is an American. Uh, he was a humanitarian and gospel worker in the country of Niger for more than two decades. Uh, he was kidnapped in 2016, and he was held for six and a half years, mm. much of that time literally held in chains. He said most of the time he was chained to a tree um, through that six and a half year period. Um, and yet uh, he decided very early on, I'm not going to hate my kidnappers. I'm not going to give in and hate and be bitter because that that marks me. That that harms me. Uh, and so, even as he was mistreated, even as he was held, uh, he just kept on giving forgiveness. So like I forgive you. I'm. I choose to forgive. And he said, "It said it wasn't a warm fuzzy thing. It wasn't like I had all these great warm feelings for them. But I would not let bitterness grow up inside of me." I also talked to Elle. She was in America. She was, uh, you know, hearing from around the world how important the prayer was 
Uh, and she said she was literally carried by the prayers of God's people uh, saying, you know what? We're praying for Jeff. We're praying for you. We're praying for Jeff. We're praying that he can come home. And so I just want to encourage people. Six and a half years is a long time. And honestly, uh, there were people at VOM. We thought, you know, there's no way Jeff is still alive. He's He's got to be dead. It's been four years. It's been five years. Um, and yet God was sustaining him through six and a half years let us not grow weary in our prayers for persecuted Christians. I think of uh, pastors in Eritrea who are now almost 20 years in prison. Uh, I think of Pastor Wang Yi serving nine years in China. Let us not grow weary in praying for our brothers and sisters because we don't we don't know what they might need today uh, that, that the Lord, that the Holy Spirit can provide for them. So don't give up in prayer. Well, thank you for that, uh, just admonition and encouragement, and uh, beautiful that he has been released, but but there are many more like Jeff that are Mm. still being held, as you talked about, the pastors in Eritrea and so forth, and we're not supposed to grow weary in doing good or in prayer, Mm. and uh, you have, uh, through Voice of the Martyrs, a prayer guide that will help us pray uh, for believers around the world. Tell us a little bit about that brand new 2024 global prayer guide from the voice of the martyrs this is a guide to to put beside your bible to put in your prayer closet so that throughout the year you can pray specifically for brothers and sisters in the more than 70 countries where Christians are persecuted. We basically go through the countries and and give you information. Hey, who is the persecutor? Is it the government? Is it some terrorist group? Is it, Who's persecuting Christians? How hard is it to get a Bible in this country? What what is it like to be a Christian? How, what are you likely to face as a follower of Jesus Christ in Iran or Nigeria or China or North Korea? And the goal of this is so that you can do more than say, God bless persecuted Christians, which, you know, that that's a great starting point. But so you can pray specifically, God bless Christians in North Korea who have almost no chance of owning their own Bible. Lord, somehow provide Bibles to North Korea, provide God's word to the people of North Korea. Uh, and so it is really a, an equipping to help you pray. And I always remind people, as we talk about the prayer guide, I always try to remind people, hey, why is prayer so important? It's the first thing persecuted Christians ask us to do mm-hmm. before they ask us to send blankets or or Bibles or you know change the government. They ask us to pray for them that they will be faithful in spite of their suffering. Okay, thank you so much for that resource, Todd. You're hearing from Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyrs. And I just went to his website. It's persecution.com. Right at the top banner, you can find out how to get the prayer guide into your hands. And just thank you for that admonition uh, for us to pray and to continue continue to pray, but sometimes we need to have those prayers that are directed so we know how to pray and what to pray. Sounds like this is a great resource to help us do that. It is exactly that. It is a tool to put in your prayer toolbox to help you pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters throughout 2024. Okay, okay, and Todd, as as we're wrapping up here, I, I know we only have a few moments left, but if you would please just lead us in prayer for those areas that we talked about, what's happening in Nigeria and maybe here in our country in the State Department, and that there are other people like Jeff uh, Woodkey that are still being held somewhere for their faith. Would you lead us in prayer at this time? I would love to do that. Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters who are suffering for bearing the name of Christ, for for standing up and saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters in Nigeria. I think of those families who are grieving lost loved ones from these attacks over Christmas. 
Lord, would you be the comforter to them? Would you give them hope and comfort in this time of grief and loss? Lord, I pray for those who were injured, some severely. Uh, bring healing to them. Bring, uh, again, hope for them as they recover from their injuries. Uh, and Lord, we think of, of so many brothers and sisters who are held captive, whether it be in jail by a government, whether it be chained to a tree by a terrorist group, Lord, we pray today that your Holy Spirit would be on them and with them, that they would sense your presence and sense your love and sense the fact that, that you are taking care of them. Even in horrible suffering, we pray that they would know your presence and that they would have hope uh, today, wherever they are at. Father, help us throughout this year of 2024 to be consistent in our prayers. Uh, to be fervent, to stand with our brothers and sisters who are persecuted. Thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy. May we never take them for granted. In Jesus' name, amen.